0: We are in the second week of the Advent season. We are in part two of our Advent sermon series. And we still have some booklets out in the foyer. They're titled Humble King. It's what the, uh, the Vineyard Association put those out. And um, they are uh, devotional books that you can read and pray and meditate over throughout the Advent season. And I believe they even go up through uh, January 1st. But you know, this is the time of year that followers of Jesus ought to take some time to meditate and pray about and, 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 and think about who Jesus is, the birth of Jesus Christ. Because December 25th is the day that we've kind of picked to celebrate his birth, his coming. The day that Jesus stepped out of heaven to come to the earth, to reveal to mankind the kingdom of God. And that's what this is all about, this Christmas season. So, so there's still some of those devotion books left. I uh, encourage you to, to pick one up and, and just start reading it and spend some time with God, you know? Our Advent sermon series doesn't match the booklet, so it'll be a little bit different. Um, so you're not like reading the same thing you're hearing about today too, so. All right. How many of us, though, are ready for Christmas? Like, I mean, ready for Christmas. You've got... Yeah. I'm... I'm I'm way ready. Like, I don't have all my shopping done, but I've got the lists and the links for the family to buy me what I'm wanting. <laughs> Actually, I have all their stuff. Um, my love language is giving, so, so I, I, I enjoy giving things to people. Um, but, you know. Like you're so ready, you've got your tree up, you've got the lights all around the house, you've got all this stuff going on, and you are so ready. You've even got all your shopping done. I mean, like, like you're that ready. All you need is just a little more extra tape and some bows. But you know, the Christmas season can be tough for some. This year we're dealing with what are we dealing with now? We're dealing with a recession. We're dealing with, is anybody, just, is anybody dealing with the price of groceries? Like, my goodness, we have two teenagers and like, you know, our son is 6'4", so like the groceries are gone before they're even out of the bag when they get home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? Gas prices are a little bit lower than they were, but I'm, I'm sure as soon as we get closer to the traveling season, they'll go back up. And then, of course, we're ramping up for another election season. That's gonna be exciting, right? <laughs> <laughs> and there's still some pandemic tension, right? Like maybe you've got some family members or friends that you wanna to get together with them, and they're like, no, we, we're not, you know, we're just. So all these things are legitimate. They're all valid reasons. They're all, they're all things that, that I believe are a legitimate reason to kind of cause a little tension this time of year. And then there's also a variety of reasons that some of us may have a difficult time this year. I mean, we're all in a different place. We all have different life experiences that we've gone through, we're going through, or we see coming up. And that's why today, what we are going to look at is that no matter where we are at in life as a follower of Jesus, we have reasons to celebrate. We have a reason to celebrate, but we have reasons within that reason to celebrate. So who here, and don't raise your hands, I don't don't want to unless you're like you're so into Christmas, you want me to know. Yes, Caprice. But but who here is is ready to celebrate Christmas? Like you are just ready. Yeah. I am. I am. I love it. I love the season. It's it's you know, Or, who here is gearing up to just survive it? I'm just gonna gonna survive it. Now now listen, those are, again, those are two very legitimate reasons, but the survivors often don't wanna be around the celebrators. And the celebrators are like, why can't you just be happy? (laughs) It, It can be a stressful time of year, right? There's tension though, that comes with both. There's tension that comes with the celebrating and there's tension that comes with the surviving. For instance, putting up the lights can be a little tent. Decorating that, you know, every year I stage this photo that I fell off the ladder, just so you all know, it's all staged, but I'll do it again next year. (laughs) Putting up the lights, decorating the house, closeness of family, shopping, Spend money, don't spend money, do I even have enough money? Wherever you're at, celebrating or surviving, these things bring a certain amount of tension to the season. And so we celebrate Jesus' birth on December 25th. And so what I wanna ask is, how many of us actually take time on that day to honor our Savior? Like, do you take time to thank Jesus? Do you take time to say, happy birthday, Jesus? Do you set some time apart from the busyness of the day to say, Jesus, I am so thankful that no matter what's going on in my life, you are there for me. I thank you, Jesus. I mean, think about it. He stepped out of heaven to spend time here on earth so that we could get a better understanding of the kingdom of God. And not only should we just celebrate his day once a year, we should be celebrating it every day, 365 days out of the year. And so we're gonna look at some of those reasons why we should be able to do that. But before we do, I wanna read my all time favorite Christmas story. So when I, when I talk about during the Christmas season or the Easter season, I take time to actually slow down a little bit and meditate on the reason, right? Like this is my story that, that, I, that I look at and I spend time thinking about and putting myself in there and just in awe and wonder. And so I'm gonna read it, I'm gonna read it pretty fast, it's up on the screen, but I'm also gonna interject a little bit and, and I just wanna give you just a little something to think about, and then there's a snippet in the story that we'll kind of use to kind of segue into the sermon, but it's, it's Luke chapter 2 starts in verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the, in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel assured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So first of all, this is good news that will bring great joy to all people. But the shepherds are terrified. So this angel of the Lord, what exactly did he look like? I mean, like he's radiant, it says. I mean, could they, did they have to shield their, I mean, how bright was he? How tall was he? Did he come walking up? Did he come down? At, what? did this look like? Because they were terrified. And so I look at it like this. These shepherds, they weren't afraid of anything. They stayed all night to guard their sheep. So they weren't afraid of other predators. They weren't afraid of thieves. They weren't afraid of chasing people or animals away from their flock. And here they're terrified. They're shaking in their their shoes, right? And the angel says, I bring you great, great news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. These aren't just fluffy little cherubs that are playing harps. These, these angels are described as the armies of heaven filling the sky, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Just take a second. What do you think all of that looked like? To me, that's a crazy scene. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Now, this is the part that I I like to think like, like... How fast did these guys go? Did they have their lanterns? Who was trying to out-jockey who to get there first? They're jumping over, jumping over bushes and just running and running and running to go see this thing because first of all, there's this huge angel of the Lord and then the vast armies of heaven were singing and glorifying God and they said, the Savior, the Messiah of the world has been born today and he's over in Bethlehem. They want to go see this. So they run over there. Let's go see this thing. They hurried to the village and there he was lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished. But Mary kept all of these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished. They told everybody. They told everybody. So, like, here's what happened. Something happened that night that awakened or stirred something up deep within their souls, deep within their spirit man, right? And it caused them to celebrate. It gave them a reason to celebrate. They had an encounter with Jesus and they told everybody all about it. It's what an encounter with Jesus will make a person do a true, true encounter with Jesus, right you want to tell everybody like, and let's be honest to the point of embarrassing yourself because you don't care you want people to experience whatever's going on inside of you you want them to experience that too and they often think you're a weirdo for it, but don't let that stop you Amen. just don't be a weirdo <laughs> There's a balance there. But I often wonder, though, as those shepherds got older in age, did their story, was their story shared with the same amount of enthusiasm as it did when they first experienced Jesus, their first encounter with Jesus? When the grandkids would come over for the yearly visit, did they still hear the same story and like, oh, here he comes. He's going to tell us how he knocked Jim over when they were running to Bethlehem. And, you know, or is he like, well, you know, or, or how about this? Jesus starts his ministry. He starts making the religious leaders upset. He starts making people mad. He starts doing some weird things. That time when his mom and his siblings came to get him because they thought he was losing his mind. And then he ignores them and he says, just who is my mother and my family? I mean, Jesus got a little weird. So did those shepherds were like, oof, you know what? Maybe, maybe. I, you know what, I'm not going to share the story like I used. Maybe I'm just going to hang back a little bit. Or maybe, maybe did the excitement wear off as it often does with us sometimes? Like, for those of you that have been a follower of Jesus for 10, 15, 20 years, do you still, still share Jesus with the same amount of excitement as you did when you first encountered him? Or are there some things that have kind of like Mm, you know what, I'm just going gonna, gonna to stick to myself and I'm not going to tell people about Jesus because I've been, just, just people don't listen anymore. See, as human beings, we often forget about powerful life experiences as time goes on. And sometimes life happens and things happen, but those experiences that once meant a lot to us, sometimes they don't mean so much anymore. And the Bible, especially the Old Testament, with the Israelites, God's chosen people, is full of stories of people who had powerful encounters with God and then seemed to have forgotten about those encounters and fell away from God. And then with the, with the Israelites, they came back to God and then they fell away from God. And then they came, it's a story that's over and over again. And some of us can say, yeah, that's me too. I, I come back and I, I forget and things happen and I come back. You know, there's a Psalm written, and the writer is stressing out. He's praying to God. This is something that we're should we we're probably all familiar with. He's praying to God, and he's not getting an answer. As a matter of fact, he doesn't think God hears him. Like, read the Psalm. He, he, he's just like, where are you, God? It's Psalm 77, but then he says this. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. You know, if you don't feel that God is hearing your prayers, I promise you he is. And we should take this psalmist's example. You know what, Lord? I I don't know if you're there. I don't know where you're at. I really, really need you. I'm dying here. But I am going to remember all of the good things you've done. And you know what, if I can't remember anything that he's done for me, I'm gonna get into the scriptures and I'm gonna read what he's done for people in the Bible and hope that somehow that stirs something up in me. But if we take last week's message, the gift of thankfulness, and we implement a grateful attitude as a part of our lifestyle, we will find ourselves often thinking about the good things that God has done for us. Because that's what an attitude of gratitude does for a believer. We don't just go through life saying, oh, I'm so thankful, and it's fake and everything. We shouldn't. Because if we're honest with ourselves about it, we should be remembering the good things that God has done for us. And listen, you know what? Here is the greatest thing about God. He knows we're going to forget. He knows how we are. Listen, I want to read a passage from Numbers chapter 15. And this is, God is giving Moses all the instructions on how he wants the Israelites to live. All right? Now listen, God is setting up a system here. And a system is meant not to constrict and confine people. A system here is meant to give them more freedom. But God knows best... You know, oftentimes when people say, hey, I'd like for you to adhere to these things right here, it's often like a supervisor or something, right? It's not to constrict you and to confine you. It's to find out where you're at so you can have more freedom in what you're doing. So that your your superior or whoever can find your weaknesses and your strengths and hone in on those strengths. God wants to set the Israelites apart from all the pagan nations who were worshiping all kinds of gods out there so that the Israelites would live the way that God wants them to live so that there could be freedom in that, not constriction. But God in his infinite wisdom, he says this to Moses in Numbers chapter 15 verse 37. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Throughout the generations to come, you must make tassels for the hems of your clothing and attach them with a blue cord. When you see the tassels, you will remember and obey all the commands of the Lord instead of following your own, des- instead of following your own desires and defiling yourselves as you are prone to do. God knows us. He knows we're... He knows we're like a magnet to sin sometimes. He knows this. The tassels will help you remember that you must obey all my commands and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt that I might be your God and I am the Lord your God. God knows us. He knows us. And so, I don't have a bunch of tassels to pass out, wouldn't it be funny if I did? <laughs> but I do have something else we can use as things to remember, okay? Because we all need little reminders, right? And so, I have some coins up here on the table, and we're going to start with this one. This is a penny, and actually, I wish I had a whole bunch, we could all just pick some up on the way out, but you got coins at home, I know you do. I have jars, because we don't use coins anymore, do we? We use plastic. But this is a penny. Whenever you see a penny, or maybe you need to get a penny and put it in your pocket, put it in a cup holder in your car, keep it on your nightstand, keep it as a reminder. This penny right here is your past. And it is to remind you that your past has been forgiven. Okay. The moment we put our faith in Jesus, our trust in Jesus, really our past, present, and future is all forgiven. It's all wiped clean right then and there. But isn't it the past that keeps us from moving forward with Jesus? Isn't it our past that haunts us that we can't get away from because we allow the past to hang around in our heads, rent free, and keep us from going where Jesus wants us? Because of Jesus, Our past has been forgiven. There is nothing that Jesus cannot or will not forgive. There is this thing about the unforgivable sin, and that's equating the acts of the Holy Spirit to the devil, and that's a pretty serious consequence, but if you're ever concerned about that, I'm pretty sure you've never done that. Jesus will forgive everything we've done. This Christmas season, what I want is I want you to take some time to celebrate that and if you have to hold on to a penny if you have to shake it around in your hand if you need it as a reminder that your past is forgiven do that do no longer let the past have control of your life and listen to this in romans chapter 4 verse 4 when people work their wages are not a gift When you get your paycheck, do you go up and thank your boss and you say, hey, thanks so much for that. Wasn't expecting that. No, you worked for it, right? It's not a gift, but it's something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. There is nothing we can do to earn forgiveness. It's free. It's a gift. And that's what this penny is a reminder of. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome, and he's quoting King David from Psalm 32, go to Psalm 32 and you'll read that part there. Forgiveness is a gift that only Jesus can offer us and that is reason to celebrate. He has rescued us from darkness and he has brought us into the light of his kingdom. Whenever you see a penny, use that as a reminder to celebrate the gift of forgiveness that only Jesus can provide. All right, that's the penny. Now I have a nickel. The nickel is used to remind us of now. Right now, as a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives within me. And I know if you're, not, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, that might sound a little bit weird, but just hang with me for a minute. The moment we put our trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit now lives within us. That's where all that stirring and giddiness and joy and happiness and I want to tell everybody about Jesus comes from. That's the Holy Spirit. We are no longer living life alone. No matter how lonely you feel out there, you have the Holy Spirit within you. It's you and Jesus, you and God's Spirit. That's a reason to celebrate. But often what happens is we forget the Holy Spirit lives within us, and sometimes we start doing things we ought not be doing. And we need to grab that penny again. But here's what happens. Also... Maybe we have a rough chapter in life, you know, and we're struggling and we're, you know, we're barely making it and we forget to rely on the Holy Spirit. You know, it happens to all of us. We we just we just forget. We've got the Holy Spirit within us. He's with us. He's here to help us. He's, he empowers us. He gives us the power. And sometimes we need a little reminder of that. And that's what the nickel is for. But oftentimes when we forget that, we feel like God is distant and we begin struggling in life. Almost like that psalmist, like where are you God? I need you God. It's just me, God. And really, God is saying, listen, I'm with you. And oftentimes, when we don't know that he's there the most, we find him in the silence. Romans chapter 8 says this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. See, this is powerful stuff. This is theology here, kind of broken down in layman's terms. It is telling us that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. Now, the problem with human beings is we have a hard time comprehending that. Like the story of Jesus being raised from the dead is a story that we read about. We know that it's very, very powerful. But it's something we can't really comprehend because we've never really seen that happen. Most of us haven't. I don't think. Has anybody here seen somebody raised from the dead? Yeah, neither. (laughs) But the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. We have access to that power. Now listen, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, and he preached a message of repentance. Repent and be baptized. And John the Baptist, he was kind of a, he was an intense dude. He, he made his own clothes, he lived in the woods, he ate bugs and bark and all of this stuff. And then every day he got up, and he had some disciples, and he would, he would preach, uh, he would preach a, a message, probably today's terms, like a hellfire and brimstone. Repent and be baptized. Get your life straight with God now. But what he did was he paved the way for the Messiah. And then Jesus comes along and he baptizes Jesus. And then John the Baptist's disciples come to him. They say, hey, you know that guy you declared as the Messiah? He's he's over there baptizing people. Should we go tell him to, should we tell him to stop? I mean, John, you are John the Baptist. And here's what he says. Here's a part of his snippet in the Gospel of John, written by the disciple John, not John the Baptist. But but here's the, here's the, the, um, The recordings of this, in in what he was saying, here's a snippet of what John the Baptist said about Jesus. For he is sent by God, he speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. The Father loves his Son and has put everything into his hands and anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. So again, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. The same spirit that was given to Jesus without limit lives in us. Church, we have to get that settled in our hearts because we are powerful, powerful people spiritually. We just don't realize it. And the gift of God's Holy Spirit is reason to celebrate. You know, some of you remember years ago we had this guy here by the name of Putty Putman and he, 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 he worked in the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and he did some crazy stuff and even I was kind of like, oh, I don't know about this. But then I was like, now I, yeah. And, and, and people who were here talk to me and they say, you know, we need to do it. It's called the School of Kingdom Ministry. We need to do that again. There is a hunger and a stirring for what the Holy Spirit has for us moving in this church And we're going to do that again. I'm just trying to figure out how how we're going to do that. But we have the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Spirit that was given to him without limit, is available to us. And that gives us a reason to celebrate. That is what tells us we can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives us the strength. And so from here on out, the nickel... If you need that reminder that you're never alone, you have God's Holy Spirit living within you, use the nickel as that reminder. Now, let's move on, what's the next one? The dime. It's the smallest of the coins but it holds a little more value than the first two. The dime is to remind us of our destiny. That our eternal destination, after we put our faith in Jesus, is already determined. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've been forgiven of your sins, you have a personal relationship with your Savior, then you have a place reserved for you in heaven. If you believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's what the Bible says in the book of Romans. We have a reason to celebrate that our destination in heaven is with Jesus. And in John chapter 5, Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sin, for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. You see... The things that haunt us that this penny is a reminder of is what keeps us from remembering that we're no longer under the condemnation of our sinful nature. We are freed from that. We already were freed from that. We just didn't know it until we put our our faith and trust in Jesus. We are no longer under condemnation. You know what? No matter... How many things you struggle with if you've got addictions, if you've got things that that, that you you keep falling back and forth and back and forth, you're not under the condemnation of sin. You're a follower of Jesus. You're a child of God. He's walking this out with you too. And the more you draw close to Him in your struggle, the easier it's going to be for you to overcome that, because someday you will. Can't tell me that people like to struggle. We are no longer dead inside due to the condemnation of sin. We have eternal life living within us. And if that isn't enough, let's read a passage from Romans chapter 5, which says this, for the sin of this one man, Adam, which, can I just stop for a minute here? Who was the one that ate the fruit? Eve. Hold on a minute here. Did Eve get the blame for this? No, Adam did. It was Adam's responsibility. You see, there's an order to God's system here. Husbands, let me just talk to you for a minute. You know what your role is to your wife? Your role is the same role as Jesus' is to the church. You are to serve your wife. You are to love her. You are to honor her. You are to respect her. You are to be there unconditionally for her. That's in Ephesians chapter 5. The man was given the dominion. The man is the one who's responsible for things. But when things work out in the order, man and woman live together in harmony, but if it's done in the order that God had designed it to be done, then when the husband lives his role as he is supposed to, that ugly word submissive isn't so ugly anymore. It means that she will... Submit to his, his head of the union and serve him. Because why? He is serving her. All right, just, just back off that for a minute. <laughs> I'm serious about that. Listen, you know what? Eve gets a bad rap. We always talk about Eve ate that fruit, and Eve did this, and Eve did that. But you know what? Adam got the blame. Adam got the blame. But that's besides the point, listen. Because of that though, Adam, the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. You know, they were given, again, again, you know, rules and and guidelines are not meant to constrict us. If done from a loving heart, if done in the right manner, they are there to give us more freedom. Adam and Eve had all this stuff in this Garden of Eden, in this paradise to eat and choose from. And God just said, just not this one tree. But then, of course, they did. And it brought sin into the world. And it caused death to rule over many. But even greater than that is God's grace and His gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus. Even if you struggle with things in your life as a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that you are not being condemned for those struggles. Jesus might be trying to convict you a little bit, but he doesn't want you living in that struggle. He wants to see you out of it. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in at. But oftentimes in that struggle, we forget where our destination is. It's in heaven. God's gift of righteousness is Jesus, his son, the savior of the world who takes away our sins when we invite him into his life, when we listen to his message and believe in him. It's a gift. All of it is a gift. And this is another reason to celebrate during the Christmas season because Jesus brings triumph over sin. Triumph over death. If you, if a person does not have faith in Jesus, then they live under that condemnation of sin and they often don't know it. The moment you say, Jesus, I need you in my life, boom, that's done. You now have triumph over sin. Sometimes we have to work a little harder for that triumph. So, the dime is our destination. My eternal destination is determined. The nickel is now. Now the Holy Spirit lives within me. And then the penny is my past. My past has been forgiven. Now, we got one more coin, the big one of them all, the one we all like, right? Because four of them make up a dollar the quarter, all right, the quarter stands for spiritual growth, this one's kind of a biggie, all right, now, in Matthew chapter 13, we've got all the verses on the screen, but it's too much to type out, because actually, what I'm about to tell you is a a sermon series in and of itself, so I'm just going to break it down real quick, Jesus tells this story about a farmer who's scattering seed. All right. And the seed lands on four different types of soils, okay? And out of all those four different soils, only one was good enough to produce a bountiful crop. However, it was a crop beyond imagination. It was like Jesus said 30, 60, not you know, it was it was a crop among crops. And see, the seed that was being scattered represents the word of God. As followers of Jesus, it's not our, our, it's not our um, role to change a person, it's not our role to point out their sin, it's not our role to try to, uh, you know, get them to stop doing things and this and that and the other. It is our role to love them and to plant seeds of encouragement, maybe a challenge, maybe an invite to church. An invite, you know, an invite to church is a seed. You do it enough times and they're either going to, one of two things, they're going to get sick of it and come, or they're going to say, you know what, maybe I should come. When you say somebody to somebody who's struggling, a coworker or something, hey, you know what? I'll pray for you. Hey, if you don't mind, I go to a small group at my church and, and, and if you don't mind, we'd love to pray for you. That's planting a seed, that's telling somebody that you have something that they need. And then if your prayer changes their life, guess what happens? Man, that seed comes to life. But, but this story, this farmer scattering seed, and it lands on four different types of soil, okay? But in that story, only one soil was fertile enough for seed to flourish, for the crop to be bountiful. Only one. One, weeds grew up with the, with the crops, and, and those are the cares of the world that choked it out. The other, the, uh, the soil was shallow, and when it grew up, the sun scorched it, and it died. And those are, those are the, the, um, the hard times of the world. It just you know, when we get smacked really hard with life and we just, we we fall away. And then another one, the birds came and picked it up and that was the enemy, took, took that seed right out of that person's heart. And then another one was the bountiful crop, the fertile soil. Well, one out of four equals what? A quarter. A quarter. Listen to this. Here's some stats for you. According to Jesus... Only 25% of people who hear God's word produce good fruit. Only 25%. The other 75% struggle in life or fall away from the faith. In a nutshell, that's that's what that story is all about. One in four people will actually respond accordingly to God's word. And what that tells me is, spiritual growth is a gift. And I I believe it's sacred. I believe spiritual growth is a gift from God and it's sacred because it is a supernatural process of growth that takes place within our spirit man in response to God's Holy Spirit. You're reading the Bible and something pops out at you and you respond accordingly. Maybe I should stop doing this. Maybe I should start doing that. Maybe I could kind of dive into that. Maybe I should pray for somebody more. Maybe I should give more invites. Maybe I shouldn't keep my faith to myself. You know, whatever it is. But that's spiritual growth. Maybe you're here and you're listening to a sermon and something clicks. Maybe it's a worship song and it's just something clicks. Maybe it's a conversation with somebody. Maybe it's uh, you know, doing life in a small group and something just starts clicking and, and, and you start changing a little bit on the inside because of what it is that you heard. That's spiritual growth. Only one in four people, according to Jesus, will respond accordingly to his word. Isn't that crazy? The fact that we can supernaturally change in response to God's word is a reason to celebrate. We become better people for it. The things we struggle with, the mundane state we may find ourselves in, the want and the drive to be a better person, or simply Jesus calling us into a better place spiritually is a reason to celebrate and so we'll, we'll wrap all this up with this what if we kept all four of these coins with us right the penny the nickel the dime and the quarter just put them put them on your dresser put them on your nightstand put them in the bathroom put them in your cup holder keep them in your pocket you know whatever what if we kept them as a reminder that we have reasons to celebrate every day for what Jesus does for us. You know, if you're struggling with forgiveness, find a penny, find it, keep it in your pocket, keep it, you know, I'm a fiddler, I always got to have something in my, ask my family, I get it when I'm driving, I have something. Keep a penny, man, hold on to it, rub it a little bit, you know, when you start getting those thoughts that you're not forgiven, find that penny. Or if you need a reminder that God's Holy Spirit lives within you and is always with you, especially when you feel the most loneliness, get a nickel, find the nickel. If you need a reminder that your eternal destination is in heaven, you know these are all things that the enemy will use to distract us and to mess us up. Oftentimes we need these reminders. Oh, I really messed up, I maybe I'm not going to heaven. Maybe I'm so bad I'm not going. No. If you messed up and you're still a follower of Jesus and you're you know giving him the finger and stuff, you're going to heaven. He'll work this out with you. Really. So find that dime, Or maybe you've been following Jesus for a while and you just feel like things have plateaued. You know, the excitement isn't there. I'm just I'm not changing. I, I, I want some things to change. I, I struggle with some certain things. Get a quarter. Roll it around. Keep it in your pocket. Keep it somewhere. Because the quarter is a reminder that you don't have to stay the way you are. With the right heart, you can grow spiritually. Because it is Jesus, and only Jesus, that we have a reason to celebrate his goodness every single day of the year. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, I I thank you. First of all, I thank you for everything. I thank you for for your weirdness, Jesus, when you turn people off and they stop following you. I thank you for that stuff because it's challenging. I thank you for coming in the lowly form that you did. The king of kings. You didn't come with a carpet rolled out for you. You came in the lowliest of forms and you have everything that we need and I want to pray Lord God that that anybody that struggles with any of those areas I want to pray that as we head into a time of worship God that you speak to them that you you give them you know what I'm going to start with the quarter I'm going to start with the quarter and I'm going to pray Lord God that some spiritual growth starts today right here with some people And the penny, the nickel, the dime, whatever it is that they need starts becoming a reminder that I don't have to stay in this place. And I want to encourage you too to, to read the Gospels right now as, 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 a, as a part of Advent. Focus on Jesus. If you didn't get one of those Humble King booklets, get one today. I have a feeling that Jesus is going to speak to some of us this Advent season more clearly, than he ever has in your life. And you are going to experience spiritual growth. I, I, that's just a word for somebody here. So uh, Jesus, I thank you for that. And um, man, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.